I found that these ideas in, in John chapter 8. There are three ideas in John chapter 8 that, uh, that, that I, I wanted to focus on. The first one is the, the motivation of love, which we, we saw in the, the life of the woman caught in the act of adultery. The second is the motivation of light, and we'll be talking about that today. And the third is the motivation of truth. These are motivations that rest within us, and a motivation within your life is, a, is the reason why you do something. So if you have the motivation of love within you, it becomes the determiner for why you do certain things. If you think love and you believe in love and you act in love, then when you're getting a situation which is uh, perplexing, the, the, the motivation of your life will be to act and to live and to do th- something in love. That will be coming your driving force, if you like. If you believe in the light and you have the motivation of light in your life and, and you are seeking light and you are looking for light and you love light, then when you get in a situation where you have to shine, your motivation will be to shine the light because that's what you're motivated towards. You're motivated toward the light. You're not motivated towards darkness. And if you are desirous for truth and that's a motivation to seek for truth and to know truth, then you're going to be determining what is true and what is not truth and you're going to be searching for truth. You're going to be looking for truth. You're going to be finding truth. The truth is going to be setting you free and you're going to be living your whole life driven with this desire for truth. So if you have the desire for love, the desire for light, the desire for truth in your life, you're, you're going to get pretty well ahead in your Christian walk because you've got this motivating force within you to press into God. Richard Dawkins, who's a great atheist and he's full of his own importance, Uh, said these words, he said, um, the reasons why Christians hang on to Jesus and their faith is because they're afraid of the dark. And inside of that statement is an insult saying you just can't handle not knowing what's out there, so you hang on to, you need a crutch in your life, you need the light, so you're afraid of the dark. So you create a light and you hang on to the light because you're scared. John Lennox is the bloke I was trying to... If you look up for John Lennox, if you, if you type John Lennox in, and he's a, he's a professor of mathemat- mathematics, and I think it's in the Oxford University or one of those universities, an incredible wise guy, but he's a very um, eloquent debater, and he debates about the things of God with uh, the likes of um, um, Richard Dawkins. You'll see some of his debates with Richard Dawkins, and uh, they're quite entertaining to see because... He came back at Richard Dawkins when Richard Dawkins says, well, you're only scared of the dark. And he says, the reason why atheists cling to their faith in evolution is because they're afraid of the light. (laughs) And I think that's pretty well true too. It's pretty well true. Um, There's a lot, you you can listen to uh, uh, some of these ideas and, and you hear some men really put it out there that Christians are so weak in their brains, you know, they are lazy in their brains, and the reason why they hang on to God is because it's easy to, to see how God would fit everything and it would all work around God. And because, you know, they don't believe in a God, they've got to do the hard work of trying to figure out how it all works together. And because we just hang on to Jesus because we believe Jesus is the solution and God is the way and, and he's the answer to all of our life's problems and, and the reasons for why the, the world is like it is, we're lazy, we're lazy, mentally lazy, he says, one another guy says. I think it's interesting because you would have to work very hard to try and work it out without God. And I mean, it doesn't matter how active you are, mentally active you are, you're not going to work it out. You're never going to come to the conclusions that, or to find out the reasons for life just through science. It's not going to happen. Uh, and Christians aren't really that scared of the dark. Not really. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff comforts me. So we know that the light is with us continuously and that we can find great strength in the light. Now, I'm going to talk about the motivation of light today and I'm going to talk about things that love light and things that love darkness. Cockroaches love the dark and moths love the light. Mushrooms love the dark and orchids love the light. So I'm going to talk about, just tell you a little bit of a story about uh, my life and some things that have happened with regard to cockroaches, moths uh, in my life. Some years ago, I took Jenny uh, to the Philippines and we had a lovely mission trip together in the Philippines. One night when we came home from doing our work in the, in the hotel, we were, it was, it, the 
the Philippines is very hot and muggy and sweaty and you, and you get very hot and sweaty. And so I'm laying on my bed and uh, the lights have all gone out and I put my hand on the wall like this. And as I put my hand on the wall, I feel the sharp uh, feet of a little cockroach running across my arm. And then I feel another one running, running across my arm. Now, Jenny's, Jenny's there beside me. I thought, well, I don't have to say much, you know. And, and all of a sudden, there's like more than one or two. I'm thinking there's a lot of cockroaches on that wall. So we decided to, to turn the light on. And immediately, there's no cockroaches because they all scamper away and hide. So we went downstairs, or I went downstairs, and I asked uh, the people that we were with if they had some spray, you know, that we could deal with the cockroaches that were in the room. So we decided, you remember this, Jen? Yes, you remember. We decided to, well, cockroaches love the dark, spray under the bed, because that was the only thing that was dark. So we sprayed under the bed, and I reckon 350,000 million came out everywhere, all over everything. It was so many, it was just unbelievable. Cockroaches love the dark. As soon as you turn the light on, they disappear. You know they're in the dark because if you pull a ceiling down, then when you pull the ceiling down, you can find out years and years and years of cockroach poo that's been up in your ceiling and just sits there waiting to get in your eyes when you pull a sheet down off the wall. Cockroaches love the dark. They're comfortable in the dark. They love the mates that they have in the dark. In fact, they, get, they, they live their whole life in the dark. They keep away from the light. And if you see the cockroaches, they run around having party times in the dark because they hate the light. Now that hatred of the light is called negative phototaxis. That's what it's called. Negative photo. Everybody say that, negative phototaxis. It means that they're scared of the light and they run away from it. Everything in their body runs away from the light. Positive phototaxis is what happens in a moth. So as soon as you turn the light on, a moth sees the light and it wants to go toward it. Everything inside its being turns towards the moth. They don't know why the moth does that. They just know it's positive phototaxis. They don't know whether it's, they think, they say, well, maybe they're looking at the stars and navigating their way through the, you know, and they say, you've put a star on your head and so they get all, and they say, get caught in the bind. Others say, you know, it's because, you know, when the female releases a scent, it excites the male and it smells and it's the same sort of thing that happens when the light goes on. It's a sort of like a, a, a phosphorus thing that happens with the light and makes them feel like it's a female on your head. I experience the moth situation in the mornings. I go walk into the gym at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning. 5 o'clock in the morning, it's dark. It's dark. And to go to the gym, if I want to go to the gym, I don't walk the streetway because that's very far. If I walk through the woods at 5 o'clock in the morning, I can get there within the half an hour, 35 minutes. So in the morning, when it is dark and there's no lights in the path, I put my phone in my pocket with a little light on my phone. And I switch the light on and I begin with my earphones and then Jesus speaking to my ear and I listen to some scriptures or singing some songs and it's all lovely. And I begin to walk down the street. It's okay until I get to the path that walks into the dark because when you're looking down in the dark, you can't see more than one meter in front of you. It's very, very dark. There's no lights along the path. So I'm walking down the path and you can just see whether there's a snake there or a stick or a toad or something hanging around in the ground and you're just walking along. And I noticed something. The moths see the, the light and they fly around my head. So as I'm walking along, this moths flying around my head. The other thing that happens is that the bats see the moths that are flying around my head. And so the bats fly around my head as well. So it must be fearful for somebody, you know, if they see me walking down the path in the middle of the forest. Here is a man walking down the path and this bats are flying around his head. They'll be waiting for the, the organ music to begin and my teeth to drop down here like this. Well, I'm walking down that path just last week. I would have mean well, maybe Wednesday or something or something someday like that. It was very dark and I'm walking down. It had been overcast and it rained a little bit before I'd got out there. And I said, I'm coming down the path and it's in the middle of the dark. I come up the other side, turn around the corner. And there standing in front of me is a man without a shirt on, without a light, walking the other way. I mustered my very deep man voice. <coughs> Can I? Oh, <coughs> G'day. <laughs> How you going, buddy? <laughs> and hoped he scurried away like a cockroach. <laughs> the question was, did I look around twice to see if he was coming behind me? I did. <laughs> Just to make sure I wasn't going to hurt him or something like that. Anyway, cockroaches love the dark. Moths love the light. Mushrooms love it in the dark. 
they grow best in the dark. In fact, we used to get up in the morning when we were kids and we'd go out into the park that was beside us in New Zealand and we would search for mushrooms that had grown overnight. It would be drizzling and raining overnight and they'd cut the grass in the, in the, in the, um, in the, in the paddock, you know, in the park beside us maybe a week or so before and so the, the grass had started to mulch down and you could walk across that and you could find mushrooms that you could eat in the morning. They'd grown in the night. They'd grown and mushrooms love to grow in the dark. They love being fed manure and they love being in the dark. Cockroaches love the dark. They love eating manure and running around mushrooms that are in the dark. They have a tendency to go that way. And yet orchids, and if you go to Mandy's place, if you're fortunate enough to be invited to Mandy's place, and she may invite you if you ask nicely, you may go to her window upstairs on her kitchen window, which is facing the east, and you will see there's some orchids. I don't think they've got any flowers on at the moment, but usually they are cascading with flowers because they're in the right position and the light is falling on them, and they love the light. But living in the light is not a nice thing. I mean, you say, well, you know, living in the light is what I want to do, but, you know, it's an extremely painful thing. It's not as comfortable as living in the dark. Living in the dark is quite comfortable if you can get with the party, and you can live with the party and handle the party. Living in the dark is fine. But living in the light is sort of difficult. Now, they don't know how photosynthesis works, but they know that it's very, very crazy the way it works and they tried to look at find out how photosynthesis works so that if they could create something that would do the same they could solve the world's problems yes you could create oxygen you could create all this sort of see what happens in photosynthesis is the plant actually spreads its little leaves like that and it absorbs light now light is energy it comes straight it's, it's part of that you know ray and it's energy and what it does it actually breaks down stuff in the in, in the uh, in the leaf and then the, the plant has to repair itself. In the process of repairing itself after the light breaks down this stuff in the leaf, it, it gives off oxygen and it creates sugars. And that's called photosynthesis and the, and the plant grows. But there's a breaking down and there's a repairing and a breaking down and repairing and a breaking down and repairing that goes on when you're in the light. And it's like us when we stand in the light with Jesus. When Jesus shines his light on, it's not that comfortable to stay in the light, to live in the light, to be in the light, because as soon as you're in the light, it exposes something. It breaks something down in your life. It, it opens you up. It, it exposes stuff that you don't want to expose, that you'd rather scurry away in the dark and hide. But it breaks it down, and you have to repair it with God. And that creates something that's the life. You know, like in the plant, the, the breakdown of the, the things produces a... A waste product, and the waste product is called oxygen. And the plants in this planet are the lungs of the planet because every plant that is doing photosynthesis is producing oxygen, and that's why we are alive now, because the plants are giving us oxygen to breathe. That's where it comes from. So there's life in the light. Life associated with the light. And living in the light is not comfortable because something has to take place. It's energy that comes into us and it breaks down stuff within us and it means that we have to repair ourselves somehow and it means that the waste product that comes out of us is life-giving to others. There's a beautiful parallel there. The question you need to ask yourself, though, is am I a cockroach or am I an orchid? Am I a cockroach? Or am I an orchid? Jesus said, Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now if we go to the book of John and you look at the, the first chapter of the book of John, John talks about Jesus in a, a very profound way. He says, in the beginning was the word and, he, and, and the word their word is the word logos, but it, it's more than just having a word. Logos means it is everything that's embodied in the knowledge of God and the concept and the knowledge and the understanding of God. That's the logos of God, which is all of his incredible wisdom in mathematics. It's all of his incredible wisdom in physics. It's all of his incredible wisdom. Everything that God could have in his mind and that is the mind of God is summed up in the logos. That is it. God's word, God's mind, God's logos. Jesus said, and John says, in the beginning was 
the Logos and the, the Word was with God and was, and was God. So Jesus was with God and he was God. All things came into being through him. Of course it would because he knew how. The Logos knows how to bring all things into being. We're trying to catch up with how everything came into being. We're postulating ideas of how everything came into being. If we reject God, we have to work very hard to try and think about how everything came into being. But John just tells us it was because the Logos of God, the mind of God, brought it all into being. He spoke it into being. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. So what we have here is we have Jesus is the life. He bought life. I mean, all creation came into being because life brought it into being. You can't get life out of dead matter. It stays dead. Life comes from living things. It doesn't come from dead matter. The origins of life did not come from dead matter. And we waited billions of years in this primordial uh, some sort of acid soup and suddenly it came into being and was killed off because there was no oxygen. Oh dear. Oh, you know, we have to work very hard if we take God away. Life begets life. God's life begets life in us. And then it gives us understanding. It's light to us. In him was life and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and it says, the darkness did not comprehend it. And it, the word is either comprehend or overpower. You know, if you're in the world, you won't understand this. It's grasped only by faith. And you can't beat it. You can't overpower it. You can't come up with another solution that sorts it out. We we're talking, I was listening to a man talk about consciousness. And he was raving on about consciousness and how, you know, it's a real thing. Consciousness is a real thing, you know. And that's one of the problems of evolutionary idea. You know, what do you do with consciousness? This ability to think, you know, I'm here and I'm thinking, how did that happen, you know? And who am I and what is this spiritual person inside of me? He's saying, you know, and he's, he says, well, we've got to dismiss the idea that, that there is a God and there is spirits and stuff like that. That's not, we just push that out. Now start working hard on your brain. Because you're going to try and think out how did you actually get, how do you actually be conscious without the spirit? God is spirit. I know that worship him, worship him in spirit and truth. Now try and figure out consciousness without God. It just becomes very difficult. And they work very hard. And they get, they're trying to work it out, but they won't work it out. You can't be overpowered. The answer is that Jesus did it. And then we're told in, in, in verse 6 of the first chapter that John was sent and he came to testify about the light so that all men might believe through him. I like 1 John, 1 John 1 verses 5 to 7. I want to talk to you about this passage as well, written by the same author as the Gospel of John. It says, God is light. In verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. I like that because that's a categorical statement. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That should, that should fix you up on questioning the character of God. If the character of God is light and there is no darkness at all, what does that mean? Does that mean that God is going to trick you somehow? Is God is going to deceive you somehow? God is going to put you in a situation that's going to hurt you sometimes? Is God going to be somehow dark? Is God going to do something that's sort of dishonest is he going to lie to you is he going to do something that is twisted somehow will god is god trustworthy how do we know that god is trustworthy well we know that god is trustworthy because there is no darkness in him he is light and if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness if we say i am an orchid and yet i scurry away and live with the cockroaches we lie and we do not practice the truth now, I want to just pause there for a little moment and I want you to think about that because we're talking about the motivation of your heart now. We're talking about what motivates you in your life. Is a motivation that's within you something that I choose to determine to have or is it something that is predetermined for me and I just can't do anything about it? Can I control the motivations of my life or am I predetermined and pre-wired to have certain motivations all the time? Tell me, yes, put your hand up if you think you can determine your motivations. 
If you think you're pre-wired and you can't determine, put your hand up. And if you've not even thought about that question before, put your hand up. All right, that's good. Some of you have not even thought about it before. If you are predetermined to have the motivations that you have, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, if you are going to be scaredy cat all your life, and that's the way it is, and you can't do anything about it, and no one understands, then don't come to Jesus because Jesus is powerless to do anything about it. And don't talk to anybody about it because you are locked in. You're going to be a scaredy cat for the rest of your days. If you could not walk through the woods with me, I'll tell you a story. My son is fearless and bold. And when he was younger, he was very fearless and bold. We used to have park church. We'd have church in the park, Daisy Hill Park. Remember those days, Kath? But we'd go there to Daisy Hill Forest early in the morning, way before dawn, while it was still black. And the reason why we'd go in the dark is because we would get the best uh, hut, the biggest hut, because the church wouldn't fit under the smaller one, so we'd get the biggest hut and we'd light a barbecue, we'd have breakfast there, but we'd have to go climb over the fence in the morning in the dark. Now, my son loved that. He, he would come with me and I'd go with a couple of other guys. And in the morning, 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, we'd go, sometimes 3 o'clock in the morning, we'd go up there just to spend the morning hours and days. You'd climb across the fence because you knew you were doing something illegal because you climbed over a fence and said, keep out, it's closed. So you would walk through and we'd find if somebody had bagged the park. Sometimes, just before night fell, somebody would go around and put a rope around the, around the thing and, so you couldn't get it. And they'd figure, they put a rope around it, you couldn't take the rope off. We knew that you couldn't put a rope around it and hold it, so we'd take the rope off and we'd put the rope away and we'd be there, set up in the morning when they came to, to look for it. We wanted that place. Well, my son was very bold. I knew he was very bold and it was fearless. And so he's running around and he's very noisy in the morning because he's excited because we're out in the dark. <laughs> I had a torch. It was very dark. He ran off in front and I turned the torch off <laughs> and waited. <laughs> it wasn't that fearful. He got very... Um, <laughs> Friends, if you're stuck in a state and you can't change your motivation... Nothing you say or I say or do, nothing that God says or does can change it. But you see, we are not stuck in a state. We are able to change our minds because we're told to change our minds. We're told to change the motivation of our heart. So just because we have a predetermination for, or an idea or something's running through our head doesn't necessarily mean it has to always do that. Because there's a motivation within us towards darkness and you might say, look, I'm feeling really convicted here because you know, I, I, if I looked at my life this week, I would see that I've made choices to go to the dark side rather than to go to the light. In fact, I would say that in my mind I thought I should read the word and I should pray and in my mind I, I decided to search in, the, the, in this area in the, in the computer rather than doing the thing I should have done. Well, that's just the act of a cockroach. I was being a cockroach this week, you might say. You might say, my tendency and my inclination is towards the dark, not towards the light. And if I look towards you, I feel convicted because you're talking about being in the light and walking in the light. I'm one of these people who's saying, I'm having fellowship with God, but I, I walk in the darkness. I'm actually living a lie. I'm not that person that you think I should be, Mark. But I'm saying to you, that's why I'm preaching the sermon. That's why I'm talking to you. Because the talking is about exposing and making manifest that which is hidden. It's looking at something that is inside of you and saying, well, what can we do about that? I mean, I want you to be children of the light. I want you to walk in the light. I want you to have the boldness to walk off into the park without a torch and know that you're going to be safe and get to the other side because the Lord is with you. I don't want you to have to flex through your life and go through all this fear and anxiety and whatever it is going to happen in your life because... You haven't got it sorted out. This is about sorting it out. I mean, that's why we come to church. I mean, why do you come to church? What, to put your money in the place? I don't need your money. Come to church to do your religious duty. There's no religious duty that's going to get you. You come to learn to do. You come to learn to change. 
You listen to what we're talking about because it's meant to work in you, to perfect in you a good behavior that helps you to become what God wants you to become. You don't come here to do the religious thing. You come here to learn to change. That's the point of the exercise. That's why we're talking about motivation. We want to look at your motivation. We ask the question, what is motivating you? John says, if we say we have fellowship with him, that means we're walking with Jesus, we're walking in the light, and we do walk in the darkness. We lie and we do not practice the truth. And notice that the practice of the truth is the issue. It's not about do you believe the truth, it's the practice of the truth. You don't put into practice the thing that you know to be true. You might know what it is to to live in the light. You might understand what it is to walk with God. You might understand what you should be doing, but it's you're not practicing the light. You practice the darkness. I want to speak to you about that because that's where the devil gets you every time. In fact, James says, he says, you know, if you do not do what you hear, you deceive yourself. And we continuously deceive ourselves because we think we can learn the concept but not practice the doctrine. And when we learn the concept, we can talk about the context, we can speak about it, we can, we can talk to our friends about the doctrine, but the, the question is not whether you can speak it out of your mouth, the question is whether you can do it in your life. So you have to practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Now, that's not a comfortable place, walking in the light. I mean, I like having fellowship with different people, but who likes having fellowship with somebody who keeps on shining the light in their face? It's difficult. That's why when Liz says, you must do this with gentleness, it's just so important because if you're going to expose darkness in your friend and they come back and expose darkness, and they say, be careful how you judge, because with the same judgment you'll be judged. I mean, this is very, you know, are we each other's policemen here? Do you want me to be the policeman? How many people would like me to be the policeman? I'm not going to be the policeman, okay? Who is the policeman? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And your conscience bears witness to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and the policeman, who's a lovely policeman, he knows the law, but he's gracious and he's merciful and he's loving and he will say, come on, come on, let's come this way, come this way. Move along, move along, let's come this way. He just gently guides you and gently directs you to where you ought to be. If you're heading towards the dark, he says, no, no, we don't go down that way. That's dark down there. You understand it's dark. Let's come this way, Eli. That's dark. We want to go towards the light, you know. And who does that? The conscience says, oh, somebody's talking to me because I'm feeling bad about heading that way. You know, it's the police, the Holy Spirit, he's come to say to you, come on, this is the direction. This is the way we want to go. He's the best policeman we have. And everybody said? He says in John chapter 3, and this is the state of affairs in the world today. And this is the judgment that we have that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light for their deeds were evil. Say that. Men love darkness rather than light. I think that one through. Men loved darkness. They were cockroaches right to the core of them. And you turn the light on, they scurry away. Have you found that with your friends? Have you found that with people that you start to talk to and you, you mention Jesus, you talk about what you're doing at church or something and immediately they change the subject and they scurry away? Have you seen them scurry away? That's the spirit of cockroach. There you have it right there, the cockroach mentality. Do you find that when you're standing with a Christian brother or a sister who is a little bit more fervent on the Lord that you feel uncomfortable when they say, well, why don't we pray about that? And you think, oh, that's a bit uncomfortable. I remember when I was a backslidden young man, when I was probably about 16 or 17, I used to go to a church group called CAs, the Christian Ambassadors, at Christ Ambassadors at Garden City Church, which is now Hillsong Church. And they decided to do some street preaching. Well, I wasn't one of those guys who wanted to really do some street preaching. It wasn't my style. It wasn't my... Anyway, they, well, I thought, we'd just go along for the yay, Rahu. You know, just you hang out with the kids there. You hang out with the girls there. You know, maybe pick up one after the youth group and go up top of Mount Cravat, something like that. You know, you're only there for one thing. 
uh, cockroach. Cockroach in church. As soon as you turn the light on, it's time for us to go out on the streets and we're thinking, oh, yeah, I'm thinking uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Well, you've got to talk about your faith. I don't really have one, I don't think, you know. And then they want to pray. They want to do a thing like pray, you know, hold each other's hands and pray that God would give us the words. I mean, oh, boy, I'm feeling really uncomfortable now. What am I, what am I experiencing? I'm experiencing cockroach mentality. I want to scurry away. I don't want to go talk about the light. I want to go and drink with the boys. Now, you've got to judge that now where you are, where you're living. Some young people, listen to me, young people. This world is full of lure, full of opportunities, full of your mates saying, what do you do? You go to church? Full of a lot of discomfort when it comes to being Christian and acting Christian and displaying your Christian values. The world hates you. It hated Jesus, so it's going to hate you. And it makes it very uncomfortable to live for Jesus in a world that is hateful towards anything that is of God. Therefore, when you start talking or somebody starts talking about what we can do to, to bring the message of Jesus to people that we know, we get uncomfortable inside if we have a tendency towards a cockroach mentality. Some of you need to get some fly spray and to give yourself a dose of fly spray to kill off the cockroach in you. You need to recognize that that tendency won't just go away by itself. It goes away when it is confronted with a foot. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that when I get up in the morning and I go down into the kitchen, I turn on the light and guess what I find? Not very many. Once in a blue moon, because my wife is a very clean lady. I might find a cockroach that's flying in from outside. It's never, it, never, it wouldn't have been living inside anywhere. It's come in from outside and it's scurrying along the floor. And within me, immediately there's this desire to stamp on it. God's creature's going to die on my floor, <laughs> under my foot. And I'm looking for it. And when I see it, and they run fast, they run fast. I'm not going to spray it. I'm going to squish it. And some of you got to build up within yourself this sort of strength on the inside to stamp on the cockroach that runs around in the dark of your mind. You need to switch the light on in your attic, in your mind with the word of God in the morning. And then when you see a cockroach there running around, you want to get your holy boot and stamp on it and crush it before the day is out so that at the end of your life you have a clean house with no cockroaches in it. You let that thing live and that will go and breed and you'll have more cockroaches there. There are more cockroaches than you can poke a finger at. And pretty soon you'll be living in the dark because every time you go towards the light, the scarring is too much for you on the inside. It's just too, <laughs> too much in the light. And I have met people who become panicked in church situations because there's too many cockroaches on the inside. They cannot stand the light. Being near the light or in the light or around the light, it just makes them feel ill, so they run away from the light. Sometimes the people who leave this fellowship or walk away from this fellowship don't walk away because we haven't extended love and care and kindness and gentleness to them. They walk away because they have entertained too many cockroaches and the cockroaches have taken control and eradicate any desire to be in the light. So they scurry into the dark. In fact, I haven't seen anybody that's left this church in Baxland that haven't got a contract with, contra a contract with cockroaches to do their will, to follow after them. Jesus says, everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for the fear that the deeds will be exposed. It's not nice walking into the light. I mean, how imagine if you came to church, I mean, how would you be if it was in the early church, days of the early church, you come to church and the, and the prophetic word was being uttered. You'd have Apostle Peter standing up there and said, thus said the Lord, and he was, bang, he had a prophetic word and he exposed everything that you did last week. I saw you sitting on the side of your bed. I saw what you did when you went and rang the phone. Or well, it wasn't the phone, you know, you sent a pigeon. I saw you and you met this person and I saw what was going on. God is exposing you. 
Imagine that came through a tongues, message of tongues and then an interpretation. Well, that's exactly what it says in Corinthians, that the hearts of men would be laid bare and exposed and they would say that God is in this place. Why? Because the light's making manifest. Imagine that, coming to a place where you know that you're going to be exposed. Ananias and Sapphira went to church. They thought they could pull a swifty, deceive, deceive the congregation about how much money they're putting in and where it was coming from and whose it really was. And they decided that they'd just, just do a little deceptive thing. And as soon as they walked in there, they walked into light. And light made manifest. And Peter says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie against the Holy Spirit? Why have you lied this way? And God struck them down dead. Bang. Imagine being part of a church. How many people would love to be part of that church? Put your hand up high. That's the problem. Yeah, I would. I would because you'd have the manifestation of God's presence there. And you know, if light's making manifest, that would keep you clean. Because you're coming to the light every day and you'd make sure you're clean when you walked into the light. We don't like that because we harbour darkness. Hmm. Well, maybe God can do something about that in us. Hey, this week. When we start thinking about the light and we start asking ourselves the question, do I really love light or darkness? Am I inclined to darkness or am I inclined to truth? Am I inclined to light? But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifest as having been wrought in God. So you're thinking, now that's a different twist. I'm coming to the church so that God can see what I'm doing so he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Imagine working hard all day, not talking about anything, and then somebody stands up in prophecy, I know the deeds that you've done, I know that you've done them for me, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless the things that you've done, and God is going to give you the answer for the things that you've been praying for. These things are going to happen within seven days, and right, right, right. Oh, thank you, Jesus! Wouldn't that be lovely? To have prayers answered, you've been on your knees all week, praying for something, praying for Luca to be, you know, to come through, or praying for his mother to be saved. And then you come in, no one knows the prayers that you've been praying. No one knows your heart. No one knows where you are, but God knows. And then he stands up, somebody else who's completely unrelated to you, says, God knows your heart and says these words to you, that your deeds may be manifest. Well, that's a different twist, isn't it? Why do we live like cockroaches when we could live like orchids? That's our choice, you know. We, we can choose, you know. I can, we can have fellowship that's a desire to come with, but we know that it's uncomfortable because God's going to be there. It's always uncomfortable walking to the presence of God. Some people don't, I mean, I don't know how you're going to deal heaven, do heaven really well. If you scurry away from the light here on earth, I don't know what you think you're going to do when the heavens open up and you see light in its full brightness. I don't know what you're going to do. I think I'll fall on my face. Get used to the light, friends. Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. A city hid on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand so that it gives light to all who are in the house. So this idea of having light as a motivation means that there's going to be something that's going to be cultivated within us that we are going to need to display. Put up there. Now the inclination of a cockroach is not to display light. In fact, it is to cover light because we don't want everybody to see the light because if we live with cockroaches, we know that the other cockroaches around us are not going to be comfortable with the light, so we put the light out. Oh, we have to be friends with the world, otherwise I don't get saved. Yes, be friends with the world. But if you're a friend with the world in the wrong sense, you cannot love God. Friendship with the world is enmity towards God. So the friendship with the world has to be, as Paul says, that you may win them and bring them into the light. So you've got to have the light displayed when you're mixing in the world. That you shouldn't mix in the world. No, we don't say don't mix in the world. We say mix in the world. Reach out to people. Know what you are, but be light in the world. If you cover the light and go out into the world, all the cockroaches will be around, but bad company will corrupt good morals. So you need to display the light. It should not be hidden. There's a heart-searching thing that's happening here where God is sifting you. 
and asking you where your affection is. Where is your affection? If you love the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. It's a very telling statement there. If you love the things of the world, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and onwards. If you love the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in there. If you love the darkness, you can't love the light. If you love the light, you can't love the darkness. It's on or off. So now we're caught because some of us are experiencing twilight. Not light and not dark. Mid-road. And I want to talk to you about that just very briefly. Talk to you about making a decision to be one or the other. We need to recognize that we need to be partaking of light because God has changed us from darkness. Now, look, if you have never had an experience with God whereby you've experienced his grace, his conviction of sin, a recognition that you're in the wrong place, the conviction of sin that you need to turn to God, asking him to come into your life and, to, and co- confessing your sin before him, having forgiveness of your sins. If you've never experienced what a, a conversion experience is like in terms, I can understand that you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. But if you have experienced a life change with Jesus and that Jesus has spoken to you and you find inside of a moment when you were forgiven of your sins and you had the sense of justification that he had cleansed you and that you're clean on the inside, if you've experienced that, then you are of the light. You are children of the light. I don't care whether you've slipped back into the darkness. You might have been deceived a number of times to practice the wrong thing and you figure it's dark, but it's not dark. You're a child of the light. Jesus has not left you. He's not lifted and deserted you. He is still there. He still loves you and he's still got his hand on you. You just don't recognize that. You've given too much credence to the devil. You've given too much credence to the dark. It's time to stop giving him the right. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, the word walk is to have your behavior in the light, which means for some of you, you might have to change some of your behavior. Now, the Holy Spirit may have spoken to you about the people that you're mixing with. Now, you don't listen. It may not be mum and it may not be dad. They may not even know the people that you're mixing with. But it's you. And every time you go with that person, you just understand and you feel that that person is leading towards the dark, not towards the light. They lean towards the dark. They don't lean towards the light. And as soon as you bring light to them, they scurry away like a cockroach. And you, for the life of you, might have wanted to reach out to them and, and, and get them to know Jesus, but over the years you just notice or you just recognize that there's no desire there, that the inclination is to drag you away, not to take them forward. And Jesus can bring people to you that you can bring into the light and you're aware of it straight away and there's a, a productivity when you start sharing with them. You hear that they, they're desirous. No, but the, the devil can bring other people into you that are all there to, to paint and to wave around some sort of distraction to lure you away from the light. And you must walk away from those who will do that. If the Holy Spirit tells you you need to stop, don't go there anymore, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit because he's not, he knows. He knows what it is. He says, For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to, God, to the Lord. You, you know, I want to be pleased. I, look, I make heaps of mistakes. On Every day I make mistakes. I make mistakes in the way I think. I make mistakes in my meditation. I make mistakes in the way I speak. I make mistakes every single day. And I'm just saying, Jesus, I don't like making mistakes, but it's uncomfortable to make mistakes. If I walk away from you, I don't have to care about the mistakes, but I don't want to walk away. I have to walk with you. So I'm going to have to be uncomfortable with myself making mistakes. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, are you comfortable about making mistakes? And do they ask yes or no? Yes or no? Are you comfortable about making mistakes? Answer the question, yes or no? 
Uh, you're, not, you're not comfortable? Well, then you're in the light. Because the light is not comfortable. I mean, if you're comfortable without making mistakes, then you're in the dark. But if you sense within yourself an uncomfortableness and you recognize that you're uncomfortable about making mistakes, you're in the right place. The fact that you're making mistakes is okay. You will learn not to make mistakes. Just get on to the path and stay on the path and keep with people who are still uncomfortable about making mistakes. If you all stick together, you'll get there and you'll create oxygen life for people. You will be life. You'll be the lungs of this world. Because you let the light work inside you. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Oh, that makes good friends, doesn't it? Sitting down with friends and you're thinking, oh, that's nice. And they say, oh, you know, I reckon that's wrong. Ah, man, you're making good friends here now. He says it's disgraceful to even speak about the things that they've done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. For everything that is visible becomes visible as light. For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So it's about waking up. It's not about trying to come alive. It's just about waking up. If you're a bit sleepy, in you know, and I saw somebody yawn there, and I think, don't worry, I'm not. If you're a bit sleepy, and, you're, and, and the sleepiness is that you are getting comfortable with the dark, you need to wake up. The Holy Spirit says to you today, wake up. Don't be comfortable about doing stuff that's shady. You get comfortable about doing stuff that's shady. Pretty soon you'll be wooed to sleep. And then when you are asleep, the life will be taken out of you. Oh, Jesus, help us. Are you listening to me? I can't do this for you. Seriously. This is where you live. Stop now. Listen to me. You can hear me and you can still be in trouble this week. You won't fix this until you stamp on a cockroach. You have to determine to kill something. You have to determine to kill something. You have to determine to kill something. You can't let it live. You have to kill something this week if you want to live in the light. Because light and darkness cannot live in the same place. Darkness can't overcome light. But light can overcome darkness. If you're overcome by the darkness, it's not because the light didn't have power to overcome the darkness. It's because you made a choice. And you will be held responsible for the choice that you make. Now listen to me, friends. Listen to me real good. I want you to change. I want this place to be a place of discomfort. I really do. I, I want you to fear coming here like you know something will happen this week and you'll change you. I would rather have that and have the number of people here diminish because the ones who are here are just wanting to have God change their lives than have a church brimming with people who are never exposed to the light and can live in darkness comfortably. Because no one's ever shining the light. I want to shine the light. This is uncomfortable for me. It's uncomfortable for you. But if we just love the light, then the perfecting work of Jesus through the light of God will raise us up and we will bear fruit to righteousness. And that's what we all want. We want to be pleasing to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Stand up now. If the light that is in you is darkness, how dark is the darkness? I mean, if you're sitting here and it's just, I'm coming to church and I do my stuff and I giggle and laugh when you're talking, Mark, and I hear you, but I've learned to resist. I've learned to maintain my darkness. 
even though I front a church. If that's where you live, I've just, I can't do anything about that. You, you're, in a, you're in a sad state of affairs. It's dangerous where you live in. But if you're uncomfortable with this and you say, okay, and I recognise things have got to change in my life this week, and that's difficult because I've got a busy, busy routine. I'm working. I've got people around me. I, you know, I go to the gym or I go to school or I go to... You know, I, I'm in a routine now. God, if you're going to mess that routine up, you're going to mess my relationships up. You're going to mess what's happening in my life up. But listen, friends, it's time to wake up. You're either in the light or in the darkness. You're either a cockroach or you're an orchid. Just bow your heads. Now, the Holy Spirit has spoken to people today. I know, I know for sure that thing that God has been speaking to you. And he wants you to respond to him. And I, and I don't want you, I'm not going to pull you up to the front and get you to pray or anything like that. But I want you to be ruthlessly honest with Jesus. If inside you see a tendency towards the dark and not to the light, and it, and it, and it bugs you and you are struggling with that on a continuous basis, I want you to raise your hand. The Holy Spirit speaking to you now. This week, those who've got your hands raised, this week, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you to kill something. And he'll tell you exactly what that is. It might be your attitude towards certain things. It might be lethargy. It might be you know, laziness. It might be, you're going to have to kill some sort of a cockroach in your life. He's going to reveal that to you. And you've got to do that. That's part of waking up. Now, I'm going to pray for you and ask Jesus to help you to do that. That's what we can do for you. We can stand with you in the light and ask Jesus to bring the armor of light upon you so that you walk in the light as he is in the light. Amen. Let's pray together now for those who've raised their hands. Father, we just pray for those who've indicated today that they are struggling with an affection for the dark. Lord, we know that if we love the world and the things that are in the world, the love of the Father is not in this. And ask, we ask, O oh God, that you turn this affection for the darkness into an attraction to the light, Father. We pray right now and we bind every spirit that is at work in these lives in the name of Jesus. We take authority over it in Jesus' name and command it to leave them alone in Jesus' name. We resist the evil force that tries to take them away and snare them in the darkness. Father, we loose the light upon them right now in Jesus' name. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Father. Fill them, Lord Jesus, to overflowing so that they stand tomorrow and kill the darkness and stand in Jesus and walk in the light and resist the devil. We ask it in the name of Jesus right now. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.